Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast, episode 434, presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. The grand opening this Saturday morning, October 30th, down there in downtown Scottsdale. Sign up for your membership now. We're also sponsored by betonline.ag. Week 8 of the NFL coming up. Make your picks there. We got Game 2 of the World Series tonight between the Braves and the Astros. Make your picks there. Sign up for a 50% bonus only at betonline.ag. Eric Bernal. How are you? What's going on, man? What's up? Before we even start, I got to thank you for the T-shirt here. If we yeah, I had to bring this. you some merch, you know. Had to bring that you is some a great color. Too. Baby blue for them baby blues. And you got the black one on. I got right the black now. one because it's slimming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a fat kid. Um, no, 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 no. Halloween's coming up. People gain the most weight between Halloween and 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 uh, New Year's. Yeah. So uh, I'm fucked. So I mean, no. it is what it is. You got to give yourself more credit than that. Uh, you can't take yourself too seriously. No, nah, I got to shame time. myself. I'm kind of one of those people. No, you're right. You're it right. Works. You're right. Maybe I'll join that gym and we'll get it going. Oh, please. You know give me, give me some more business, please. Yeah, there we go. Please, man. Uh, so you are now living in Scottsdale, but you're all over the yeah. place. You're from Sleepy Hollow, New York. Sleepy Hollow. Shout out to Sleepy Hollow. Yep. yep. It's where I was born and raised, yeah. You are one of five children, if I read one that? One of five. Damn, wow. This guy did his Wikipedia. Now, yeah. See, I don't take myself seriously at all, except for maybe like one percent. Nah, I that's do cool. Yeah, I got uh, I got three sisters and a brother. Three sisters and a brother. And then wow. my dad had two other kids uh, that I didn't know about until I was an adult. So that that's got to be interesting. That was awesome. That Facebook message request was different. Yeah, my two sisters from Ecuador. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, they just messaged me. They're like, "Hey, uh, where are your sisters?" And uh, I flew out to Ecuador to meet them. Really? That's actually a really cool story. Yeah. Was it easy going or was it uh, hard to One of the sisters wanted to meet me, one didn't. One of them Ooh. saw them as, the, because they're older than me, so they saw it as the reason my dad left them behind. Deep. Yeah, Ooh. but uh, when I, we surprised her. She's a nurse at a, at a hospital, the one that didn't want to see me. And when she saw me, um, it was all love. That's good. Sometimes it's just like you say you, you, know, you don't like that person, but when you see them, you're like, hey, you're, you're me. And wear each other, so it was it was cool. Would you say in Sleepy Hollow it was a difficult upbringing because it's black and yeah. white? You know, I'm, again, yeah, I'm yeah, from yeah. the New Jersey area. I'm like yeah. right around the corner. Yeah, like. um, Sleepy Hollow is is a is a different type of town. I always say like every block has a different heartbeat because like where I lived was Section Eight housing, right? It was ten floors. Um, the elevator would break more often than not. Um, and I mean, I remember being a kid, just like. Go with my mama, Salvation Army, for bread and milk, you know what I mean? And not to even be like, oh, it's a sad story, but that's just what it was. If anything, I'm better for it, and she is too. But being a mom of five single kids, I mean, that in itself is difficult. I know people who have one kid with help with the dad, co-parenting, and it's still difficult. So I can only imagine. But literally three-minute car ride away is a place called Phillipsburg Manor. Um, you can look it up. I mean, these houses don't go for less than a couple million. Right, and then, exactly. and what, but that was what was nice. You would go to a high school where kids were really well off and kids weren't. And they're in poverty level, right? Their parents made less than $14,000 a year. 
But it was, I think it was the best thing because, like, you don't know what you have because even them, like, I remember when I invited them over to my place and I was so embarrassed, you know, right? Just kind of, you know, roaches, rats and stuff. Uh, but they were like, man, your mom hugs you a lot. That was, you know what I mean? So you see mm-hmm. those things where, like, oh, I'm lucky in different ways. Oh, yeah. So, but, yeah, it was cool. I mean, CB Hollow, I love it. I mean, they've had a big renovation. Things have been a whole lot better there. Uh, big Halloween town. Um, but, no, I don't look at it as, like, a sob story, a sad story. It was, uh, as a kid, you don't know whether you're poor or rich, which is a funny thing. Right. Until someone tells you. So, uh, but other than that, I mean, it, it makes for, for good comedy. That's what it and does. you don't really appreciate the money that your parents have until you realize that exactly. you have one as an adult. You're I, like, oh, my God. I think about a North Face purchase that my mom made for me. Everyone in New York is cold. North Face yeah. jacket started at $300. Oh, yeah. And I wanted one so bad. And I told her, like, man, why can't we get one? That's when I realized. She said, hey, we can't. Like, it's just, it's not. And I, would, I cried about it like an idiot. And she borrowed money. 350 bucks, to, and she goes, let's go. Which one do you want? And I was like, cool, let's go. And then it only took late, years later on that I was like, oh, my God, like, you did that for me? And she was like, yeah, when you're a parent, you understand that you do anything for your kids. And I was like, dang, this is, this is tough. That's why right now, like, I repair. You know, I'm trying to get her, to, I'm trying to fly her back out to Ecuador so she can have fun. And any time I chance, I get, you know, send some money, even though she probably doesn't even want it. But it's my thank you. I'm always incredibly indebted to her forever. So that's the way I take it. So do you, did you know that you wanted to leave, though, at a, at a young age? Because you're living here now. You're obviously all over the place yeah. doing what you do. Uh, I think I did once. It was like a, dr- a drug dealer told me. He told me I was funny. He told me I was charismatic. You know, I did theater in school. I, I uh, competed in spoken word poetry in New York City on a high level. And uh, this guy, I remember I'd never smoked weed in my life, and I think I wanted to for the first right. time. And it was super illegal and kind of criminal-based at the time. And he goes like, man, get out of here. You're too good for this. That was like my first realization. I'm like, damn, I, th- I thought you were the coolest guy on the block. He's like, yeah, I'm, I have to do this. You don't have to do this. So that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to go. And nothing to say about the people that stayed. But for me personally, I had to go. And my mom was 100% behind it. She goes, no person's meant to live forever in the same place. Mm. You know, she would tell me things like that. Even when I got to Arizona and I was homesick, I wanted to go back home. And she was like, well, why do you want to go back home? I'm sad. I miss, you know, I miss my friends, my family. And she goes, what do you, how do you think I felt when I came here? You think I was sad? Think maybe I was scared? It, it actually turned, you'll be fine. You know, where every other mother would be like, come back home, baby. Oh, come back home. Are you kidding? Absolutely. There's a bed here for you. There's food in the morning. My mom was like, these things will make you better. You know what I mean? Lessons learned are, what, she, what would she say? She said, lessons learned are lessons that burn to remind you, because the scars remind you of the times, right? And I always took that, and I always, it's funny, like, you, your parents tell you things as a young adult or a teenager, and it, it don't even make sense to like 10 years later. But now I take all of it. I mean, I talk about her in my comedy all the time. Usually it's about her, like, whooping my ass or something. But there is a, a deeper message to it, you know what I mean? So, but, yeah, I love Sleepy Hollow. I, uh, we'll be back in New York next week. Um, I, I got a show at Stand Up New York on November 6th. So how, did, how did last night go? We were kind of briefly talking about it. Oh, yeah, I do, I do a weekly open mic on Tuesdays at Golden Marguerite in downtown Phoenix. Uh, doors open at 5, list is out at 5.30, show starts at 7, and there's no cover. Uh, I do a cash giveaway. No open mic really does that, at least to the amount that we do. 
And as someone that has the ability and the network to maybe get some people in, on the stage that maybe wouldn't do it otherwise or they see it as kind of like a waste to maybe travel that far. But I do have people there that are actual bookers to other shows. And it's, it's called the Industry Comedy Night for a reason. Uh, a lot of com- comedians for some reason are think this is a competition where it isn't. Uh, if I we, feel like when it becomes a competition, like you're not going to be on your A game. You like lost. If, yeah. You lost. You lost an opportunity to even like to work with someone. Look, the best way, that, and this is like my main focus. That's why I, I told every comedian, like, didn't it make you offended when L.A. was shut down and every comedian was trying to go somewhere else? They looked at Austin. They didn't even look at Phoenix. That was a 45-minute flight away. Like, I took that personal, uh, uh, you know, as Michael Jordan says, right? I took it personal. So my whole deal is I'm going to make Phoenix the hub. I don't need to fly out. I don't need to go anywhere else. And I'm going to make this the hub. I'm going to make all the comedians want to come here because we do have a lot of comedy clubs that people are not even aware of. And these are mom-and-pop ran clubs, you know? Uh, one, of the, one of the clubs I go to all the time, JP's Comedy and Gilbert. Gilbert. I mean, and they love it. The room seats about 110, 120 super personal and it was ran and he opened it during the pandemic and he's a retired cop and uh so shout out to jp but this is the thing like cohesiveness will get us further than anything else us attacking each other that's what everybody wants us to do and you can really put that towards anything whether it be policy the the more yelling and the less constructive listening um we're gonna like destroy ourselves yeah so what I do with that industry night is a lot of these comedians would never speak to each other otherwise. Comedians are typically awkward. We're awkward people. We suffer from like almost like a mental illness from getting on stage because it's the scariest thing, but we're, but we're also narcissists because we want to go up there and tell our story. So uh, that's what I do every Tuesday. Um, I'm there from 5 p.m. sometimes till midnight, seven hours of my day I do because I believe in the groundwork, and I believe this time next year, it's going to be even bigger, you know. So yesterday we did a costume giveaway, uh, not costume, a money giveaway for $200. Uh, we ended up giving 150 to a gentleman uh, who dressed as Cartman. And this girl would have won, but she came late. So as a lesson to her, uh, sexy military person, I think. I, I think that's what it was. It's like a sexy lieutenant. That or would something. have beat Cartman? No, she was dressed to the nines. I mean, she really, from okay. head to toe, I mean, she did her makeup. Yeah, she had like... Everything she had, like kind of like sailor tattoos. She did the whole thing. She did it well, but because she was late, like we said, all right, we wanted you to win, but you know what? Now we're two winners, one fifty for Cartman, and he really looked like it. And then fifty dollars towards towards you, but uh, let this be a lesson. Be on time, you know. So right. we have fun. We have fun. Um, we tell everybody come to the show. Uh, if you're easily offended, don't come to the show. You know what I mean? That's uh, it's the nature of of comedy. Um, that's why I don't kind of understand what people like get mad at it because like I don't like scary movies so I can't watch a scary movie and then afterwards be upset that I was scared do you know what I mean right. like if I don't like it, I just stay away from it right. pretty much no I think you touched on two very important things right there mm-hmm. one you're having fun which is yeah. going to free up your mind space to come up with stuff and two you're working your ass off in a market that not everybody's going to like you said like some people are just jumping to austin because that's where one of the big scenes is right now yeah, but like you, you're, you're literally going to be in the midst of rogan Chappelle, like all these guys like you're not going to get any face good time. luck i mean and great luck to you hey everyone's everyone's uh, path is different right yeah. um i know comedians that have been doing it for 10 years and 
they're stagnant. They're, they aren't where they, where they, where they want to be. And there's a reason to that. I've been doing comedy for just about over two years. Okay? Now, I've, yeah, I've been in performance. Yes, I've been a writer. I've done other things that give me a leg up when getting on, up on stage. But time is relative. So what, what comic may have done in, in 90 days, I might have accomplished in the first two weeks of this, of this month. So, and everyone's, is different. Look, if someone came out and op did an open mic this Tuesday and signed a Netflix special in six months, do you know what it says for me to hate on that person? Look, some ball players go from high school to the pros. Some ball players go to all four years of college, then they play overseas, then they come to the G League, and they finally get a spot on the bench. Yep. This is the way things go. Now everyone has the same path. So I think once we remove that part of it in this community of comedy, of just hating on each other, man, I have booked people that have, don't like me on purpose and paid them and show them this is how much I love you, although you may have, have this type of feeling against me. Mm. And I think love is going to win it, man, because if I just come at you with like, well, F you too, I don't like you, what have I done? Am I, am I practicing what I preach? Because, yes, it's comedy, but at the same time, we're all trying to accomplish something. Some of us will be writers on shows. Some of us may be comedic actors. Some of us might pursue stand-up. Some of us might be on the finance part of this and be managers and bookers and producers. There's so many things you can do. So to write someone off because just because they rubbed you the wrong way, mm. hey, have a conversation with them See, first. that's a strong message in an industry where it's very easy to rub someone the wrong way. Yeah. At any level, mm -hmm. whether you're you or you're Bill Burr, yeah. who pisses a lot of people off, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. is like I've opened up for some comedians, right, some A-list comedians. Some have treated me better than an open micer, right? Uh, and others, other A-list, like they... It was like as if I owed them something. I needed to do something before I can speak to them. Mm. And I'll remember them forever. Because I'm not going to even say, like, hey, I hate you. I'm just like, hey, you remember that? What was that for? And I'll have that conversation with them. I have no problem. But uh, I think humbleness is number one. This is comedy, man. We're supposed to have fun. This isn't a competition. Yes, we do competitions, but at the end, we congratulate whoever won. You know what I mean? If I don't win a competition, I'm the first one to DM or message the winner of the competition, be like, man, you killed it tonight. But like, I think Eddie Murphy had said one time, he goes, you know, competitions are great. You win first place, understand that that's great until midnight. The next day, it means shit. And you that's how you got to exactly. You're only as good as the last time you've been on, up on stage. Sometimes you, sometimes you crash and burn. Sometimes you bomb. Happens to all of us. But it's how you handle the bomb, and you keep going. And I'm here to pretty much not saying I am. The person that's going to save it all, but I want to be part of it. Yeah. That's all it is. Do you think, you know, because you were in theater, you probably mm -hmm. thought back then, like, a comedian? There's no fucking way I'm going to be doing you this. You know, I, w I was class clown. Right, you always school. had the humor factor. I always had the humor yeah. factor. I was always the loud person. I was always the inappropriate joke kind of guy and uh, quick on my feet. I, w I probably attest that, I mean, uh, give credit to that of my older brother and his friends. My older brother's 13 years older than me. At 13, I was getting roasted by 26-year-olds. I mean, to the point I'd cry, but then it got to a point where I was just, just, just as good as them. Yeah. So it was good. I mean, and, and some people would call that abuse. I call that getting me ready for the real world because he, he didn't differentiate me because I was anyone other than his little brother. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I think the, 
the more we work together in, in general, like even you, you reached out to me, right, for the podcast. Gracious. Uh, I'm, I'm super, super grateful for that. Uh, if it reaches one person, I gain one fan, then that was a win. You know what I mean? If my people, hey, one more person, that's a win. And we have to yeah. keep thinking about that because that's how the L.A. scene is set up. Everyone does each other's podcast and helps each other out. It's not that this podcast is better than this podcast and this one's the king and this one's or the queen, depending who you're talking to. You know what I mean? So it's and that's the thing. The, the more we and it's out there, the the metrics and the statistics are out there. The more that people are cohesiveness, the cohesiveness is there between podcasts, the more popular it becomes because you get you don't lose fans. You gain new ones every time I've done and, and I've seen it. What do you think has been the, uh, the best city that you've performed? And when it comes to people coming up to you after shows and being like, that was great, like you knew you connected with an audience. Because I feel like there's those certain towns where like your yeah. jokes click and then you go to another town and you're like, oh, shit. I'm oh, yeah. There is a, I mean, every state, and it, and it almost becomes political, even though I don't really have any political jokes. Um, New York was great because that's where I'm from. So yeah. I may be a little biased only because a lot of people that came were for me. It was a sold-out show. It was like 108. The place seated 160. We had to make room for 180. And we added extra chairs and things like that. That was an amazing feeling. People came out there. So that was different. And they connected, obviously, because every joke I said, they felt it. They were there when it happened. And they were like, man, he's, now he's, he's constructing it into a, a comedy thing. I once headlined at a Mexican restaurant in L.A. during COVID. Um, the lineup was nuts. I mean, the lineup was everyone from everywhere. And the reason why I picked that was such a diverse audience. But everyone came back with the same feedback. Like, hey, I really like that joke. Even if it was kind of like the joke was about their, like, maybe about their group. And they loved it. That, to me, I love that. I went to Miami Improv. And Gatsby, he's over here. He's my uh, behind-the-scenes guy right here. Uh Miami was a tough crowd. It's a split. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> it was a split. It was a split crowd, man. It was it was so 50-50. It's it felt like tense. It felt like people were scared to laugh at certain things. What I learned is you can't let the audience defeat you. You got the microphone. I also like that. So there there's different ways of like connecting with audiences because I think like uh, uh, Muhammad Ali's first wife was there. Her, oh, really? Called her Mama Ali. Yeah, got her phone number and everything. Really? Yeah, she wants to do, she, I guess she dabbles in, like, movies and stuff. Wild thing, right? But what she told me was, like, I laughed so hard, and you have so much charisma. Here's my phone number. Matter of fact, put your phone number in my phone and call yourself so you know it's my number. It's amazing, right? So where I thought, like, man, my set was, eh. But it was just a crowd. I mean, these are tense times. I get that. But I want to let everyone know that goes to a comedy show, laugh. If it's a show about, I mean, if it's a joke about somebody white and you're with your white friends, hey, laugh. If it's black, laugh. I see that so many times. People look at a group like, am I allowed to laugh? And it's like, dude, you doing that, I think it's a little more offensive, to be honest with you. It's a little more offensive to me. I, was, I just did a show in Mexico this past weekend. Had a bunch of jokes, and I saw them always look at this certain person, almost asking for permission to laugh. And I had to address it on stage, and then everyone felt a little better. Sometimes we don't know the rules of a com- Some people, for the most part, every time I go to a comedy show, man, that was my first show. Damn, that was fun. I need to do, I need to do that more often. Because what a comedy show does over other things is it makes you put your phone away. 
and just be in the moment mm. and have some drinks or not have some drinks and, and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Because what I've, what, I've, um, what I've learned is that let's say you suffer from depression. That's a state of mind. You can't be laughing and also being depressed. So you escape that state of mind, even if it's just for a little bit. So you can't be in both states. That's why they say if you're, go work out, you know, go do these things that help you, you know, be happy. So, I mean, I'm blessed that I think I'm okay in it, right? I, right. I tell people, it's not never about being the funniest. It's about being the hardest worker. That, I'll, to me, means more than anything. Right. I mean, what you just said there, you know, getting someone out of that certain state of mind that they might be in, whether it is depression or you just had a bad day at work, something yeah. go your way, you, you, they need to escape. And it takes a great comedian to do that, right? What, what do you take from your life that kind of forms your material? Oh, breakups. Breakups. That's what it first started with uh, because I was going through it. And it's funny because I once heard a line and it was like, you know, uh, comedy is nothing but tragedy plus time, mm -hmm. which is a great line because it is. Like, we all remember when we're like slumped over about a girl or a guy, right? And we're crying, we're playing the sad songs. We might even call them 50 times and they decline it for your own good. And, and you're crying, maybe yelling out to the skies and stuff. And three months later, you look back like, wow, I was a lunatic. Like, that's kind of funny. It is funny looking back on those things. So a lot of that was, uh, I, had a, I had an ex. Um, she has a friend that she went to school with who's actually a pretty famous comedian. Went to go see him. And, but this was years before, I guess, he really developed. But I was like, I think I'm better than that. And she's like, nah, you can't do that. So I didn't do it. Um, something that I bring up in my comedy is like, yo, so sometimes, sometimes it could be the person that you love telling you the thing that you, that you shouldn't be hearing. You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to just listen to yourself over the people you love. And, and that's a hard thing to do because we love our family, we love our girl, our guy, whatever. But that's where I pulled it from because who hasn't been heartbroken? Who hasn't gone through that? I'm telling you my own specific thing of being cheated on or these things. And back in the day, yeah, I would cry about it, but now I laugh about it. It's therapeutic. Mm. I'm up there telling you because you can get over it too. A guy, I did a show at Tempe Improv. Dude came over to me. I, I bring this up all the time because I wish I would have got his information, but it, what he said was profound because he came in and I was like, hey, what's up? And he was just like, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, who are you with? He's like, oh, I just came along. I was like, oh, yeah, what's up? He goes, man. I have a lot of anxiety. No, mm. like, and I've been depressed. Like, I almost felt like I want to kill myself. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, what's up? He's like, but I'm like, girl, and, you know, she left me, and now she's with, back with her ex. But what you just said made me feel a whole lot better, you know? Like, knowing that, because we think that what we've going through is the worst thing that no one else ever has gone through. And he was like, man, I just want to say thank you for that. And I was like, man, let me see if I can get you free tickets for another show, even though I'm not in it. Because it's good for the soul. Yeah. And I got it for him. I was like, why don't you take someone? Why don't you, you know, take a date or a friend or something? He's like, thanks, man. This really turned around my week. One person. That was amazing. That's what you do it for. You do it for those things. You also do it to make everyone laugh. You do it to, to relieve pressure. You do it for yourself. Obviously, like I said, narcissistic, get up there, whatever. Um, but those are the changing moments. Like, that's why you need to do it. For me to be complaining about another comedian or something like that, it takes away from the art form in right. itself. You know, to kind of unpack that, mm -hmm. when you talk about the art of just being kind, going out of your way to do something like that, yeah. when you, you know, you're getting your start in this, what comedian or, you know, multiple guys that yeah. you were on the same card with 
kind of showed those same traits that made you thought, oh my God, like that's great. Like I'm sure you got a lot of that from your mother as well. Yeah. But what, you know, being in this line of work, who did you learn the most from when it was just like, we're all in this together. It's not a competition. You know, I, I see other interviews and stuff. And then I finally got to meet like Chris Stefano. Yeah. Uh, Chris Stefano is a guy I've seen do comedy 10 years ago when he barely could do 15 minutes. Now he's one of the top selling comedians out there and really just a great personality. I was able to open up for him. And I remember him saying, I think previous to getting to Arizona, like, oh, like I just I can't take really pictures because, you know, COVID and things like that. And as he was walking out, because I wanted to wait and just say thank you for my, you know, for letting me do a guest spot. Um, I asked for a picture. And he's like, absolutely, man. Comedian to comedian. Absolutely. He's like, take a He's like, just make sure you look good in there. You know, I don't care how I look, you know. And just really, and he, and it wasn't a joke. He was just like, hey, just make sure you, you look good. Let me know if you need another one. And then I got to go. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And he left. Um, although that lasted all of 30 seconds, man, that was impressionable. It was impressionable because although he'll probably never remember me unless I, you know, make it bigger and when we cross paths, maybe. And, but that's all you need. You have to understand some people, you'll never meet them again. Well, isn't that the whole thing? Like, yeah, they'll never remember whatever, but they remember the way you made them feel, right? Exactly. And that's so true. So be kind. Be good to everyone. Look, I'm out here in Scottsdale. The reason why I have such good relationships with the Scottsdale scene, whether it be entrepreneurs or the wait staff or management at clubs, restaurants, is because I take the time out to genuinely get to know everyone, let them know that I'm so thankful for that, what they do, because without that intricate part, none of this could work, no matter how little or big it is. That goes a long way. Yeah. So being a good person goes a long way. Also, just not being a creep. But, like, so as long as you're not that, you're pretty much good, you know? Uh, I mean, yeah. You're just a guy <laughs> on stage with a microphone. Yeah. If there's not an audio crew that turns on that microphone, Nothing. you can't do anything. Nothing. I need the venue. Yep. You need the people serving drinks. You need the people actually You need the people listening. in the seats. I'm very a small part of it. Without, yeah, without them, I, none of this could happen. So that's why I'm thankful. That's where the whole Scottsdale's very own or Sleepy's very own. Uh, kind of came from a lot of comics like they'll like uh, Andrew Schultz he'll do like uh, some of his merch is like Air Fashion instead of Air Jordan yep so Air Fashion it's like a, you know it's, it's a playful way of going by uh, you know Nike and Jordan which is huge in New York so I'm like who am I a fan of Drake OVO October's very own and then someone had just said something you're like Scottsdale something and I was like very own and it just kind of came up to me it's like SVO and and then it, it just, it, then we trademarked it and everything. So it was just like my play on with it because that's like an artist I like. And just like Jordan is probably like an athlete that he likes. I was like, I loved it. And then it carried on where it's like now everyone's in support of it. And that's just to, to speak about the city of Scottsdale. Like to me, a lot of people talk a lot of mess sometimes or whatever. And, and it's funny because some of it is true. But uh, I've learned that this place, at least in my experiences, collaborations are big and... As long as you treat people good, they'll treat you probably 10 times as good. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about the big-time guys. Yeah. You know, like Rogan, Burt Kreischer, you know, Chappelle. Like, they all help each other out. with Heck Not yeah. only their podcasts, probably their material, everything that they're doing. Yeah. Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. Like, that, just those three alone. You know, Eddie Murphy you could throw in there, yeah, too. Yeah, that's probably what Probably help each other out. Like, there was a comedian that just came out with a sitcom, Miss Pat. And I've been following Miss Pat for a while, too. And she had a sitcom, but it's very different. I mean, she cur it's like a multi-camera. Think about, like, full house, but, like, someone just dropping the M&F bomb every, you know, 
all day long, right? Another great comedian, Bob yeah. Saget. Bob Saget. Oh, yeah. Day and night as Danny Literally Tanner, one of the funniest comedian. guys, too. Yeah. But the thing is, like, what I loved about her is that she's, like, in her 50s. She's finally getting the sitcom out. Every comedian with a major platform had her on. You're talking about Whitney Cummings, Joe Rogan, Burt Kreischer, uh, Chris Stefano. Um, they had her on Tiger Belly with, like, uh, Bobby Lee and all these. I mean, it was like I couldn't believe how many podcasts had her within a week because they were like, you finally got your shot. We're here to uplift you. Man, if that wasn't a lesson to everyone that was in comedy or in any type of industry, I mean, like, and now she just, she just got uh, signed for a second season for her show that, lot, that Hulu dropped, that ABC dropped, that a lot of people dropped. It took five years to put on. So that's what I'm saying, like, Comedy is great, but it's about feeling good is the, is, the, yeah. is the best part. I feel good because you feel good, right? Mm. The, give, it's, uh, the person who gives the gift is the one that receives one. Yeah. Wow. See, you have an awesome outlook on life, not only just what took a while. I was a, I was a dirtbag uh, previously. It's hard, especially yeah, being in the bag. industry that you're in. Yeah, I was a huge um, jerk. I tell people this a lot. I was not a nice person. Um, didn't respect people. What age are you talking? Uh, teenage years. Okay. So like early 20, like 20, 21. I was just a jerk, man. And, and I look back on it and I, and I hate that guy. But I love him too because he didn't know better. So when I see someone who's just like, oh, yeah, you know, girls are this and women are that and whatever. And it's not even like in a joke. It's like dead serious. I'm like, hey, man, I used to think like that too, man. Let me tell you, it doesn't get you far. Mm. You know what I mean? It doesn't get you far. So um, switch up. Or life will, what is it, adjust or life will, will adjust you just you for yourself. Yeah. That's the way it works. And, uh, yeah, I always like to say, because people are like, oh, you're such a nice guy. You're such this, you're such that. But a quick reminder, I was not always like that. I was a big jerk. I was not a nice person. And I hate that person. For that reason, I'll never return to be that person. And if I am, I will say sorry. Mm, I feel like it's more common than you think to act that way at that age, though. Yeah. Not, not that, like, if I were to go back, I, I don't think I acted, I don't think I came off as an ass, but at the same time, in my head, I was very angry. You know, like, when you're yeah, young, like, just yeah. things aren't clicking And we don't yet. know what to say. We're, we're not sharing what we're going through. Yeah. We didn't know, with, especially in, like, minority communities, like, we didn't know what therapy was. I, I was forced by the state of New York to go see anger management, and, and that's what I'm saying. It was not just I was a little forced angry. Forced by the state of New York? Yeah, because I was kicked out for getting... Uh, in a fight and I had to spend 10th grade at another school that was real dangerous and then I had to come back and then I had to get letters of recommendation and then they said alright you gotta see the school psychiatrist you guys you gotta go anger management and then you gotta see a therapist outside the school twice a week it was bad man so when I say I'm so happy I'm not like that like I would rather you beat me up than me ever throw a punch ever again um, I mean it so I talk from a place where it's funny where people go like oh yeah he's just a joke like, you don't understand. It took me a lot. I'd rather be this person than anything else. Who'd you fight and what happened? Uh, Let's unpack that for a second. So I was a jerk. I took this guy's hat um, in the middle of computer class, not even my class, just walked into it, took his hat, put it on, and started talking to a girl. Asked if she wanted to get pizza after work. I mean, after work, after school. And the guy was like, hey, give me back my, give me back my, um, give back my hat, give me back my hat. And I was like, whatever, kid. Fuck you. I was a jerk. Hey, give it back to me. Guess what? People get fed up. People have boiling points. He's like, Eric. And I looked back, and he gave me a nice punch to my mouth. Tooth went through my lip. I grabbed his head, and there was like a cement wall, and I just mm. bashed. And I told him I'd kill him. 
I see why they did that now. Yeah. So here's the thing. His uh, dad was a cop, so it wasn't good. But me and that kid are friends now. Really? I asked for forgiveness. He asked for forgiveness, too. It was like literally. Were you guys friends before that or was it just like casual? He he was like dating one of my friends or something like that. So literally like a year and a half later, he came up to me and said, hey, man, I'm done with this, man. Are you done with it? I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this. I was seeing, you know, therapy. I was working it out. And I, I told him, I'm sorry. And I said, hey, do you want to come ride in my car? We'll get food or something. He's like, yeah. That was it, man. So these little, st- I know it sounds crazy, but the thing is like, and here's the thing. Someone hears that story they're like, oh, he's a horrible person forever. No, people are allowed to grow and people are allowed to be better. You know what I mean? And I have uh, examples of that in my work too. When I talk about a kid that was in, uh, um, what was it? Um, uh, the talent show, not X Factor, not The Voice, American Idol. It was a kid, he had done something when he was 11 years old and they kicked him off. You know what I mean? It, I mean, it was like um, racist or whatever, but he was also 11. You know what I mean? Like, everyone does dumb stuff when they're a kid, and people are allowed to um, basically come back from that. You know what I mean? Everyone does bad stuff. Um, you know, I know people, people close to my family, maybe my family, that have cheated on their husbands, and their husbands took them back, and that necessarily is not, you know, that's not them forever. People make mistakes, and there may be bigger things behind it. I was an angry kid, didn't live with my dad. Just, a lot of things bothered me. And then it was when I unpacked that and I was able to be like, you know what? I'm okay with being messed up a little bit, but I'm not okay with being messed up to other people. Mm. I feel like you know at that age whether you're doing it intentionally or if it's just flat out, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. Then you look back at it later and think, holy shit, I can't yeah. believe I did that. Because all these experiences that you had have led to you having the tools and the mindset yeah. to do what you do now. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I asked forgiveness from teachers that I have uh, yeah. went to school with. Now they're my friends on Facebook. One of them is coming to see me perform next week in, uh, in New York. These are the things where I'm like, there's a such thing as redemption. And, but the thing is, you have to also stick to it. So you can't just be a nice guy for a week. It's got to be Sunday. It's constantly something I'm working on because I also have these opportunities. Like, oh, like, and I get mad, and then I have to breathe and give myself the opportunity to um, either make it right with myself or to the person I disrespected. So, but yeah, man, and, and that's where my comedy comes from. I was an upset kid. I was a bully, but I'm this short, chubby Spanish kid. It's funny, right? It's, it's like I'm like this Joe Pesci mentality where I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. You know, I'll beat you with a phone. And now that couldn't be further away from me. I don't care for it. It brings nothing to me. If anything, I think about every time I had a bad mentality about things, life sucked. Was that just coincidence? Mm. But now that I have a good mentality of things, so all of a sudden doors are opening. They have to, you know, talk to each other. See, I feel like when you have this mindset and you're able to convince yourself of these beliefs, you're able to be a better comedian on stage when it comes to actually making people laugh without offending people like it's tough don't get me wrong it's tough how do you uh you know cope with the fact that we are in this cancel culture society and being a comedian there is a rule and the rule is it has to be more funny than offensive if it's more offensive than it is funny and don't get me wrong you gotta let the comedian try hey oh that didn't work okay we'll go ahead and uh revisit that right I watched a guy half hour in New York City do jokes about the Holocaust, right? He was Jewish. He almost had, and it was hilarious. If it wasn't funny, it would be like, whoa, what the heck? Mm. Because a Jewish guy making, well, it's like uh, the guy from uh, Saturday Night Live, the one that dated uh, the pop star, Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson yeah. 
His dad died in 9-11. Yep. Jokes about it all the time. With the new uh, Judd Apatow movie. Yeah, he jokes about it all the time. But you have to understand that he was also like five years old when it happened. So... Would have been different if he was 15, 25. It would have it, it crushed him if yeah. he was 15, but he was five. So he tells people, this is where I'm coming from. It's, it's not to offend you or the people that were affected by that horrible event. I was in New York when it happened, you know? But that's his way of dealing with it. You have no idea why he deals with it that way. Maybe it's good for him. He also suffers from other things. Like, it, it's deeper than just a joke. So in cancel culture, here's my thing. Um, we can't be scared to make fun of something. You know what I mean? Because yeah. in reality, no one talks the way they talk at work in real life. You watch the news, no one talks like that. And back to you. You know, like, it's, mm. it's, it, it, that to me is more weirder than someone cursing out their boyfriend. Because that's real. That's how they feel. And obviously that could be dealt in a better way. But there's so much fake stuff, you start thinking that that's real. And no one talks, you know, our, you know my, my mom used to get really mad at me. You know, she'd curse me out, whatever. It's, it's a real thing. So with, with someone who's, like, very easily offended, like I said, I don't watch scary movies because I don't like scary movies. If I watched one and I got scared, who do I blame? Knowing what I was going to watch myself. Right. Starts and ends with you, man. Yeah, man. It starts, if I'm that person that just does, I can't take a joke, and there are people that can't, and hey, that's all cool, and that's all great. You know what I mean? I have comedians of all walks of life, man. I did a com- I did, I did, I had a lineup in L.A. with a with a trans woman. Uh, I do a lot, a lot of uh, shows I headline are with women, and people think it's because they're a woman. No, it's because they're funny. So I never want to be the oh, I'm doing it to to make people happy that I have these type of people in my lineup. No, they just happen to be funny. If it happens to be an all woman lineup, all men lineup, it's because they're funny. So people even get offended with those things, with lineups and things like that, where it's like, I'm just trying to create the best experience. I promise you, male or female, they're really good. And they're going to make you laugh. Do you think, last thing I want to ask you, I don't know if we have a ton of time here. Okay. uh, Do you think you'd be a comedian today if it wasn't for your film buddy calling you up in the middle of the night, telling you that that's something you should have pursued? Because you always knew you were funny, but comedian funny? Man, Albert. It's a job now. Albert, man. Albert's a... Albert Miller, man, look him up, two-time Emmy Award-winning filmmaker out here from uh, Arizona. Yeah, he hit me up in the middle of the night, man. Would I have done it? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm glad I don't have to know. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people believe in you more than you do yourself, which is a wild thing. And sometimes it's your partner, sometimes your friend, sometimes a stranger. You know what I mean? I just saw this interview with Jewel and Joe Rogan and how she was homeless and kind of just got discovered at a coffee shop. Like, real, that was like a real thing. And... Sometimes things are by accident. And sometimes things are beautifully by accident. So the way I say it is, thank God that he texted me that night. Um, I couldn't picture living life any other way. Wow. And where can we reach you on uh, all Eric Bernal Comedy, Eric B. Comedy on Twitter. So Eric Bernal Comedy on Instagram. That's where I book, too. I am my own booker and my own manager until I become too 
busy and then I'll have to hire somebody. But uh, yeah, Eric Bernal Comedy and then Eric B Comedy on Twitter. That's the mindset, man. Everybody's yeah. got to be a content creator now. That's right. I mean, you're doing it. You got your guy right Gatsby here. Gatsby the artist. Go follow Gatsby the artist. Yeah. Uh, he does buy stuff and he does uh, also music videos and stuff like that. We and got I got the merch. Hit me up for merch. Beautiful, beautiful t-shirt. That's right. Let's get another glimpse of that, there Zach. There we go. <laughs> this was episode 434 of the podcast with Eric Bernal. Thank you so much, man, you, for man. coming in studio. Uh, Zach, this episode is over. Turn out the lights. <laughs> Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.